Heavenly Father, we gather this morning thankful that you're our God and thankful for the ways that you provide for us and care for us. And in particular, this morning, we're thankful for your Son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful that you sent him to earth. We're thankful that he was born on this earth. We're thankful that he lived and died and rose again to bring us salvation and to give us everything that we need to follow you and to live in this world and to inherit eternal life. Father, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for your word and the opportunity to read those stories and be reminded of why we're here this morning and why we're celebrating. We're thankful for music and the beauty and the power that it brings and the opportunity to use our voices to sing and praise you for who you are. We're thankful. Father, we're thankful for this season where we can gather together as families and and give gifts and just remember the birth of your son. And we're thankful for this service, Father, the opportunity to gather together as your people, to sing songs of praise to you, to come to your word and to hear you speak to us. And so, Father, we do pray now that, that as we come to your word, we pray that you would, you would speak to each one of us where we're at this morning, that there's so many different things going on on our minds in the holiday season, so many t- things, of, things to do and things to get done and plans to be had. And, and Father, we just pray that in, in this time, as we come to your word, that all of that would be kind of pushed back, pushed to the sides, so that we wouldn't be distracted from hearing what you have to say this morning. So, Father, we pray that you'd speak through your word and that you'd speak clearly and, and powerfully in each one of our hearts this morning. Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. We're on the last of our series through Advent, looking at Psalms of waiting and uh, learning how we how how to wait on the Lord and in different seasons of life and different seasons of the year. And so, this morning our Psalm is Psalm twenty-five. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul; in you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it's great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me 
Be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how many my, how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Oh, looky there. Had an error this morning. And my sermon slides disappeared. <laughs> That's okay. I have notes. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's something about Christmas in, in general that I feel like um, ha- gets everything, everything's kind of amplified uh, just a little bit, um, especially, I think, especially emotions, right? There, there's some kind of, there's just something about the holiday that has our emotions kind of jump, um, and, and good things too, right? So, so like, there, I think we have a tendency during, during Christmas and Advent where we feel joy at a different level than we have at other seasons of the year, right? Or, or kind of fulfillment at a di- in a different way, or, or peace, right? There's, there's something about just sitting around with your family, drinking a hot cup of cocoa that makes you go, right? It just, you feel it a little bit differently. It's kind of, it's amplified. Um, but all these other emotions get amplified as well, <laughs> Some, some of the emotions that, that we don't appreciate necessarily. And so many people, as, as Christmas kind of approaches, they, they feel this kind of increasing weight of grief um, kind, of, kind of weigh on them as Christmas gets closer because they're remembering those who are no longer with them and no longer able to celebrate Christmas with them. And so as Christmas comes closer, that, that grief gets enhanced. It gets amplified a little bit, or, or other people feel an increasing weight of, of loneliness kind of on them because they, they're reminded of maybe their lack of family or maybe even just their separation from family. And so as Christmas comes, that kind of weight bears down on them more. Other people feel this weight of anxiety kind of hanging over them as Christmas approaches because there's so many things to do. There's food to make, and there's Christmas presents to wrap, and there's all of these things, and we're more anxious than we are ev- ever. <laughs> the rest of the year, because there's all these things, and that kind of amplifies a little bit. Or other people are not looking forward to gathering with their families because they know there's family tensions and family feuds, and there's going to be a fight at Christmas, and so there's all this tension about that, and it's all kind of just hanging there. Um, and, And then we read a psalm like this, and we're reminded that like, this has kind of been the case throughout history that people have felt this way. I mean, here's, here's how the psalmist describes his situation as he's praying this prayer. He says, I am lonely and afflicted. That's where I'm at. I'm lonely, I'm afflicted. He says, the troubles of my heart are enlarged or amplified. He says, consider my affliction and my trouble. I, I, I hurt and I'm in pain. I don't know what's going on. He says, consider how many are my foes and how much they hate me. And he's saying, I'm in a bad place. <laughs> I, I feel lonely. I feel afflicted. I feel hurt. I feel grief. I'm in pain. I just don't know what to do with it. And, 
And I remind us of that because it's important to remember that like, this has been a normal part of human experience, to feel this weight and to feel this grief and to feel this pain and loneliness. And the question is, like, what do you do when you're in that place? How do you respond? And part of it is waiting. That's what we've been talking about. Um, and, but as we wait, right, this whole series has been about what do we do when we're waiting. And, and we notice that the psalmist, the first thing he does is, he's, as, as he's in his loneliness and in his grief and in his, in his pain and his sorrow, he says he's going to remember who his God is and what his God has done. He says, God, remember your mercy, O Lord. Remember your steadfast love, for they have been of old. You know, he's asking God to remember those things, but he's reminding himself of these things, isn't he? He's saying, I know, God, that you're a God of mercy. I know that you're a God of steadfast love. I know these things about you, God, and I need to remind myself of those things when I'm lonely and when I'm grieving and when I'm afflicted. He says, God, you're good and you're upright. Like when, when he's feeling lonely and wore out and weak, he says, I have to remember that my God is good. He's not just sitting off on the sidelines, taking pleasure in my pain, taking pleasure in my suffering. He is, he is good. He says, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. He said that he reminds himself, my God is a God that will never leave me and will never forsake me. He has never cast his people off. He has just been with them through thick and thin all the way from the beginning. He reminds himself of that. And he reminds himself that his God is a God of forgiveness, right? He says, remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, but according to your steadfast love, remember me, right? His God is a God who who forgives us our sins and our trespasses. And he remembers all of those things, in the midst of his grief, in the midst of his sorrow, in the midst of his loneliness, because as he remembers those things, something starts to happen in his heart, right? Something starts to happen in our heart when we remember those things. Like faith begins to be stirred within us and hope begins to be strengthened within us so that we can wait. And that happens. Those feelings as well are also amplified during Christmas. Um, the feelings of, of, of hope and, and our faith being strengthened. Those things happen more during Christmas as well because Christmas reminds us of all of those things that the psalmist was just talking about. And, and all of those things are amplified even more for us. And so he says, our, my God is a God of, he's a good God and he's a merciful God. And then we look to Christmas morning and we're reminded what? Our God is a good and merciful God. He sends us good gifts and he treats us way better than we deserve. By sending his son. He says, he says, my God is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness, a God who will never leave his people, never forsake his people. And we come to Christmas morning and we're reminded that God had a plan all the way from the beginning <laughs> that he would deliver his people, right? All the way back when the serpent <laughs> deceived, he said, I will send you a savior. And as much as God's people wanted to mess that plan up, God didn't throw them off. He didn't kick them to the curb. He was steadfast, love, and faithfulness all the way through to the end until he fulfilled his promises. 
And at the birth of Christ, we're reminded that we serve a God who forgives because that's why he sent his son in the first place. That's why we celebrate Christmas. If Jesus didn't come to forgive us from our sins, if Jesus didn't come to do something bigger than that, Christmas would be a nothing. But the fact that God sent his son to live and die and rise again for the forgiveness of our sins, that changes everything. Changes everything now and changes everything in the future. And so it's really good to celebrate Christmas. When life is good, to be reminded of those things, but I think it's even better to celebrate Christmas when you're feeling lonely and grieving and despairing and you feel that pain in your heart. It's even better to celebrate Christmas because it reminds you who your God is, the God that sent his son on this day to pull you through that, the God who forgives, the God who steadfast love and faithfulness. And so we're, we're to celebrate, not to pretend like everything is okay, but celebrate and remember who your God is. And, and what's interesting is in the psalm, as, as he reminds himself who his God is, and, and as you can see kind of his faith being strengthened and hope being strengthened in him, he's, he's ready to wait on the Lord, then he says something else. He says, Lord, I trust you. Because now that he remembers who his God is, he remembers that his God is good and merciful and steadfast love and faithful. He remembers all these things about his God. He goes, now I remember I can trust you, God. You're trustworthy. I can put my trust in you and I will not be put to shame. I I can wait for you and I can trust you because you've never let your people down ever. And so he puts his trust in God. He puts his faith in God and has hope, and rather than putting his hope in all of these other places, right? We, we tend to put our hope in all these things that are going to let us down, that are going to fade away, and he says, no, I know my God is trustworthy. He's like a rock, and so I'll put my hope and trust in him. Um, and then he says, none who wait for you, God, will ever be put to shame, And it's an interesting line. I kind of skipped over at the first part, and then I looked back and thought, that's really powerful because I think when we get in these seasons of loneliness and grief and despair, we start to wonder if all of our waiting is going to be in vain. Like, am I just going to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait on the Lord for nothing? Like, is the Lord ever going to do anything or am I just going to wait for no reason? Am I going to be put to shame in this? Or, 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 or there's this fear that kind of comes upon us, I think, in the midst of these things. And we wonder, maybe even if we know that it's unrealistic, we still are wondering in the back of our mind, like, is this going to last forever? Am I going to feel this way forever? Right? Am I going to feel this loneliness? Am I going to feel that way forever? Am I going to have to wait forever? Or, or am I going to feel this grief? Am I going to feel this way forever? You start to wonder these things. And, and the psalmist says, no. Those who wait on the Lord do not wait in vain. He, he will never leave you nor forsake. He won't leave you in this place forever. All of those fears that wonder, am I going to wait in vain? Is the Lord ever going to save me? Am I going to be stuck here forever? The psalmist says, 
No, because you have a trustworthy God who rescues his people. And he's done that from the beginning and he's done it over and he's done it over and over and over again. And he did it on Christmas morning. (laughs) He stepped in and he saved his people when they didn't deserve it. When they were wondering, is this ever going to happen? Like, man, we've been waiting for thousands and thousands of years for the Messiah to come. Is it going to happen? And God stepped in and said, it's going to happen. And I'm going to save you. And I'm going to deliver you. You have to trust me. Wait in me. And all who wait on him will not wait in vain. You can have that hope because we have this trustworthy God. He will come and rescue because he's the God of our salvation. He's a God who saves. He doesn't leave us. He saves us. And so we trust and we wait. And it's interesting because as he waits, he doesn't just say, like, save me, save me, save me, save me, save me. Please save me. He doesn't just keep saying that over and over again. He actually says, Lord, make me to know your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me because you are the God of my salvation. And because you're the God of my salvation, I will wait for you all day long. And what's interesting is he says, okay, I know you are the God of my salvation. I know that. I trust you for that. And that means I'm going to wait for you all day long. Or I'm going to wait for you as long as this takes because I trust you. I'm going to wait because I know you're the God of my salvation. But then he says, but as I'm waiting, I need you to teach me something. I need you to teach me how to wait. And I need you to teach me how to, how to live in this world while I'm waiting. How, to, how do I glorify you in my loneliness or my grief or my despair? How do, I, how do I live in this? I need you to show me how to do that. And It's really, I showed one verse, but it just kind of pops up over and over and over in the psalm where he's saying, I'm, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to wait for you, Lord, but I need you to show me how to do that, how to walk in this way. And, um, you know, we talked about this last week already, so I'm not going to talk about it again, but, but this idea of as we wait, we, we keep our eyes on Christ and we follow him and we walk in the ways that he has walked. But one interesting part of this passage is he talks about, he connects that with waiting. He says, may integrity and uprightness preserve me because I wait for you. And, And he makes this connection between walking in the ways of the Lord, following him, kind of living the way we've been created to live, and persevering and kind of making it to the end of our waiting. And he has this confidence that if I just keep my eyes on Christ and I follow him, I will make it to the end. I will endure to the end of this trial, to the end of this suffering, because God's ways are firm. They're not, you know, last week, the psalmist talked about how all these other ways are just like smoke. They just disappear. They crumble under our feet. And if you walk in them, they, they just fall away underneath you. But, but when you walk in the way that the Lord has paved in front of you, it's, it's firm and it's steadfast. And you can have confidence that even as you're waiting in loneliness and grief and sorrow, that you will keep walking down that path and you will make it to the end because the Lord's faithful. He, he will bring you through. He'll bring you through to the end. And so... Like, this has been that, that theme, right? We've been talking for, for so long about learning how to wait and how to, how to just do that. And, 
And, you know, waiting isn't always, you know, on the one hand, you think of waiting around Christmas, you think of kids, like, just excited about Christmas presents to come, right? Um, It's like this good, excited kind of waiting. But often, especially throughout Scripture, often waiting is, this stinks, and I'm waiting for something to get better. I mean, that's like 90% of the waiting in Scripture, as you're, you're in pain, you're hurting, and you're waiting for something to get better. And how do you wait in that moment? That's why, you know, that's why all of these, may, you know, some people are maybe thinking like, man, this is kind of a downer of a sermon on Christmas Day. Um, and my, my reminder to us of having a downer of a sermon on Christmas Day is, there's a reason why Christmas is on one of the darkest days of the year. There's a reason why we celebrate it on one of the darkest days of the year, because it's a reminder that Christ came into the world in one of the darkest moments. Um, Christ breaks through his light. That's why we have candles. That's why we do a candlelight service, to remind ourselves that the light of Christ breaks through into the darkness. And so there's a temptation to take Christmas and kind of sentimentalize it and pretend like everything's okay, pretend like everything's fine, when actually all around Christmas morning is darkness, except for one little light, actually one really big light in the middle of it. And so that, that shapes us as we, as we learn to wait kind of in our own darkness. What do we do when we find ourselves in that darkness? Well, we, we do the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks about waiting. We We wait on the Lord, but we don't just sit there and do nothing. Waiting is this battle. And so as we, as we wait on the Lord, there's like anxiety starts to creep up within us, right? We start to fear. We start to wonder like, is this going to last forever? What's going to happen? Am I going to die? You know, there's all these things that start going on in your mind. And we're reminded when that happens, you fight that by taking those anxieties and laying them at God's feet because He cares. He listens. He answers because he's the God of our salvation. So you take those anxieties, you keep laying them at his feet over and over and over again saying, and you fight that battle as you wait or doubt. The longer you have to wait in the midst of pain, doubt continues to creep in. How do you handle that doubt? You keep reminding yourself who your God is and what he's done. You do that by reading your Bible. We talked about that. You do that by, by coming to church on Sunday mornings. You do that by just talking to other faithful Christians. You do that by celebrating Christmas. And, you know, when, when we celebrate Christmas, it's this massive event designed to remind us, this is who your God is. This is what he's done. This is why you can put your faith and trust and hope in him. This is why you can have hope that he will bring you through this darkness because he sent his son to be born in this earth. And it reminds us as well, Christmas has this this effect of reminding us that, um, that God works in his perfect timing, um, which is not our perfect timing. Um, you know, we, we, get, we get impatient like five minutes after the event, right? So I Thinking of this myself this morning, as, as many of you know, we live by the lake and the roads drift full of snow, and I was up this morning early wondering, am I even going to be able to make it to church this morning? 
And uh, so I got up early. I was getting ready to shovel myself out. And then I saw the plow coming down the road. And I was like, yes. I don't have to shovel my way out. I can get to church. And then I saw the plow going back the other way. (laughs) And he hadn't plowed our road. And I got really impatient in that moment. And then about 20 minutes, and then I ended up plowing through stuff in my van. And and then the plow came through 20 minutes later. (laughs) Impatience, right? Like it took 20 minutes. I could have just waited. But we, we, we lack patience and we start jumping in. We start trying to take matters into our own hands. We, we do this all the time with much bigger things because we don't wait. And God says, I've got this. You wait for me and I will act in my perfect time. You have to trust me. And you can imagine God's people saying, I know somebody's coming. I, we've been told that even at Adam and Eve, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, we were told someone's coming and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. I'm like, okay, someone's coming. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. And then 500 years go by and they're like, where's this guy? Is it Moses? You know, 500 years ago, maybe it's David. 500 years, maybe, it's this, maybe it's this guy, maybe it's this guy. And it just doesn't happen and they keep waiting. And then when Jesus comes, it's actually way better than they had ever imagined it would come, which is usually what happens when God acts in his perfect timing. He pulls us out of the pit in his perfect timing. He does it in ways that we would have never asked or even imagined. And it's so much better. We're also reminded on Christmas morning that that when we're in the midst of our own darkness and we're in the midst of our own grief and we're just waiting there, and we're, we're casting our anxieties on the Lord. We're, we're reminding ourselves of who our God is. Christmas reminds us that, that our God's not just sitting far off watching us. Um, but Christmas reminds us that he's Emmanuel, um, that he's God with us, um, that he's the God that didn't just stand off and wait and hope we figured it out, but he sent his son into the darkness to be with us, to, to strengthen us and to provide for us and to do what needed to be done to save us. And so it reminds us that even as we sit in our own period of darkness, whatever that looks like, and you're waiting on God, he's right there next to you, giving you strength, teaching you how to follow him in the midst of it, giving you everything you need to wait on him. And so we wait, trusting that when his salvation comes, it will be in his perfect timing, and it will be better than you've probably expected it. And so we wait, which is hard for us to do. But, but we keep, as we wait, we keep fighting this battle for our heart, for our mind, and for our soul. We keep fighting that battle. When anxiety creeps up, we say, no, we're going we're gonna to cast that on the Lord. We're going to trust in him. As, as doubt creeps in, we're going to remind ourselves who God is and what he's done. And we're going to go home from here. We're going to celebrate Christmas with our families. We're going to eat a big meal. We're going to celebrate, and we're going to do all of that as a way to just implant it deep in our hearts that we serve a good and merciful God. And we serve a God of steadfast love and faithfulness who never leaves his people, never forsakes his people. That we serve a God who forgives all our sins and a God who sent his son into the darkness to deliver us from that. And as we celebrate those things, it begins to stir our faith, and it begins to strengthen our hope and allows us to keep on waiting with our eyes on the Lord. Let's come to him in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we come into your presence continuing to be thankful that you're our God, thankful for the ways that that you provide for us, thankful for the ways that you care for us, thankful for the opportunity to, to gather here and celebrate and remember what you've done for us. Father, we're thankful for your son. We're thankful for uh, Christmas morning, for him being born on a manger. We're thankful for his life and his death and his resurrection. Uh, Father, work in us not to ever take those things for granted and to work in us to help us remember how those things change each and every day of our life. And, and Father, work in us to help us remember these things even when we're in our own seasons of darkness and, and frustration and grief and sorrow. Or help us to remember who you are and what you've done. Help us to remember Jesus Christ in the manger. Help us to remember Jesus Christ with us. And help us to remember that you're a trustworthy God that we can put all of our hope in you and you will never let us down. Help us hold on to you and Lord, continue to give us strength to truly wait for you in this season, but also for the rest of our lives. Because Father, we know we will not wait in vain. And all God's people said, Amen.